0: Welcome to Free the Mind, Free the People, a podcast where we come together to empower each other through knowledge and discuss the issues that shape our everyday lives. All opinions and information shared in this podcast are held by the hosts alone and do not represent the stances of the University of Central Florida and the Department of Sociology.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Rena and I'm one of the hosts for the Free the Mind, Free the People podcast. Um, and I am a second-year sociology master's student at the University of Central Florida.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Hallie Spencer. I'm the other host of Free the Mind for the People, and I'm also a second year master's student in applied sociology at the University of Central Florida. So today,
1: um, as you may or may not know, we've taken a break um, between our first few episodes, which we decided to call chapter one. Um, and now we're going to chapter two. And so I just want to give a brief explanation of what chapter two is meant to be. And so our main goal with chapter two is to provide tools and theories that will help us apply sociology to our daily lives and the issues that are affecting us every day and how to address those issues with sociology.
0: And chapter one, we really encourage you to go back and listen to again, or if you haven't listened to it, go back and see what we were discussing because it basically introduced sociology and we wanted to use it as a foundation for our chapter two. So make sure if you're interested, go back and listen to our intellectual activism episode, which discussed the war on education, um, our critical race theory episode, because all of those will be extremely important to everything we'll be discussing moving forward. But with that being said, There's been a lot going on since we last filmed an episode. Marina, I just wanted to check in and see what's been going on with you this summer.
1: Yeah, so, um, and as everyone in the audience, (laughs) the listeners will note, we're going to be a lot more casual in this conversation. We're going to be, so as Hallie mentioned, uh, we we just want to check in and talk about everything that's been going on over the summer. So I... I've been doing okay. Uh, I think that I've been really frustrated, as most of us, many of us have been. But I've also put my energy towards doing something about mm-hmm. the things that I'm seeing. And mm-hmm. just feeling like I'm actually, like, involved. And, mm-hmm. yeah, being being a part of, hopefully, a change. Um So that's what I've been trying to do.
0: (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Yeah, so I've been feeling the same way. It's just that as academics and for anyone who's listening who cares about social issues, we wanted to kind of slate this episode as a way to just vent about, you know, what is it like really going through the feelings of social issues going on? Because we're not robots. Like, we are affected by it. And the summer was just like, there was a lot going on. It seemed like it was just one after the other. And at that point, it can get really frustrating because you don't know what to do. You're like, wow, one person can't physically bear the weight of all the stuff that's coming up like every other day. And so you become more sheltered. You start to think that like maybe you can't do anything about it. And that can be really scary when, you know, for such a long time, something you felt a lot of passion for and all of a sudden you feel super depressed about it. And Mm -hmm. so this episode kind of shows you how we as sociologists move through through those feelings of being frustrated and feeling burnt out and feeling like we can't make a change into being like oh my gosh there's a lot going on that means there's a lot of work for us to do and we're ready to do it and yes. so that's why we wanted to talk through all this because you know we're we're feeling all the feelings <laughs> right now and over the summer and so we just <laughs> needed a chance to discuss that <laughs> But yes. I mean, some of the issues that annoyed me personally that were most frustrating to me um, was this overwhelming feeling of false promises, which I know people have felt for a long time, but it felt like it really came to the surface with um, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It was frustrating because when all of these new judges were in front of Congress being asked questions about their position on the Supreme Court, they would say that Roe v. Wade, would not be overturned because it's an important structure and an important constitutional right and then we find out that Roe v Wade is going to be overturned. Um, And that's frustrating and there's also a lack of intersectionality in their understanding of um, abortion rights, which is frustrating too, so it feels like they're overturning something that they, they don't quite understand. Um, and the whole discussion around abortion rights lacks intersectionality, which is something we'll be going into in another episode. Um, but that idea of false promises also frustrated me in the Rob Elementary School mass shooting because, you know, we're told that police need all of their weapons to protect us. Like, that's their job. And when something like this happens, you know, it takes 60 minutes for police, police officers to stop the problem so it's like why mm-hmm. <laughs> what was all of that for if not it obviously isn't for us is that's what it feels like and there's been distrust for a long time but it also just felt like it's just mounting even more and it feels like it's all connected to money and power and politics and this idea of the state not quite understanding um what it means to be like a citizen in, in this country
1: <laughs> yeah and and I think that we, we are forgiving. We're very forgiven in that we're saying it feels like, but mm-hmm. it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we
1: know we know that it is. It, it has to do... There's money behind it. I mean, there's a whole reason why the Supreme Court, uh, court case, the Citizens United, like that's been
0: mm-hmm.
1: a topic in the past, but yeah, it's not talked about among mm-hmm. Democrats or Republicans because... Yeah. Obviously, in a capitalist system, the corporations are what's what's ruling and right. what has power, real power in the political process and everything that goes into that. And obviously, we have the NRA, um, which we'll also be talking about more later in another episode. Not today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And I agree. I I I feel the same sense of. Ugh, Frustration. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same sense of frustration, and that, I don't know. I don't even know. I'm disappointed. I don't think I'm disappointed. I mm-hmm. I think I expected this, and we've made a point before. Like people of color, black people, um, mm-hmm. indigenous people, immigrants of color. Like we have known.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: we've known what this state does to people they don't care about and so these are topics that we know that the system either it's broken some people call it broken some people say it's working as it's what was meant to be. um yeah I, I think that that all of that is true at the same time and mm-hmm. that we are seeing some cracks i guess or like i would say it's a crack in people's consciousness like people are mm-hmm. many people like the general public people that previously have been well within the system are starting to realize these things and so um yeah so that's what we've seen in the Mm -hmm. past few years just like more of that awareness because whenever these peaks of whatever injustice if we want to call it that it's always injustice inequality Mm -hmm. um yeah so when we see these peaks people's awareness it, it you can't hide it and especially now like with social media and everything it's impossible mm-hmm. to hide these things like we did in the past and right that's why the response to this awareness from that same state that we're talking about um mm-hmm. is so strong and we see it in different ways um
0: right
1: and I'll get into that in a little bit but
0: yeah I think it's interesting that you said that you know like I agree with the thing that like the idea that you know the system was created this way especially for people of color and so it's like we're seeing cracks in the system but it's not really like the system has changed at all it's just that you know people who have benefited from the system for a long time are now realizing that maybe they aren't benefiting anymore and that's what's making them more aware and what also scares me is that we discussed this a little bit personally but you know, we become aware of it and we care about it. And then all of a sudden something else happens. And then we care about that and we're of it. And we forget about everything else that happened mm-hmm. in the past. And so when I was looking at, I was looking up a week ago, like what happened in the summer of 2022? The amount of things that I forgot about or that were the center of the news and then were completely like forgotten about is insane. And I feel like we mm-hmm. just like, as people have trouble or we can't think about all the bad things that are going on because we would just be like so depressed all the time but there's also privilege in being able to forget some of the issues Mm -hmm. that are going on like people are living these everyday experiences but some of us have like I have the privilege of forgetting that this major news story broke two months ago so you have to balance the idea of like you know you want to be able to like continue throughout your day be able to sit at work and like not worry about everything but also you have to remember there's privilege and being able to forget some of the stuff that's going on
1: yeah and I would attribute that to the media and how it works mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's information overload you know social media is saturated with infographics which I love it's fine <laughs> <laughs> I like them okay I like them but I but sometimes, you know, if you have all of this, all of this, it, it, like on your screen and you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, like you just spiral. You're and scrolling. yeah, and it's actually, I, I don't know much about this topic, so I will not say much, but I do know <laughs> that some people are doing uh, some research on how, social media and the algorithm and how all of it actually changes the way that we think like it Mm -hmm. changes the way that our brain works Mm -hmm. and how it actually disarms us in a way it it takes away some of the power or Mm -hmm. energy that we have it also disconnects us from each other where Mm -hmm. we need to come together and Mm -hmm. and i don't just mean in the whole like it's okay what you believe you know let's all come together (laughs) no i mean more in the physical sense (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like actually serving our communities and being being feeling like we know each other because Mm -hmm. that's needed for yeah to address these changes or these issues and to create social change so anyways uh i know that we will be talking about media more in another episode um mm-hmm. and i am very excited for that episode um we won't say much anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. but yes the media definitely it, it's going back to the power and money right all right. of that is connected the media is
0: that so yeah um the media is like one of my research topics cuz i find it so fascinating but that reminds mm-hmm. me of a conversation we had in chapter 1 in our i think it was our intellectual activism episode where mm-hmm. we talked about like the false power we get at like tweeting at the president. Like, is that actually gonna make a difference? Like if we spend (laughs) the amount of time like hate tweeting at politicians instead of like, and we turn that instead into like meeting with people and discussing and organizing, like Mm -hmm. there could be a big difference in how things are moving forward. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Yeah, and um, I guess just going into the issues that I have been paying attention to the most, uh, and doom scrolling about um, <laughs> uh, well, the war on education. As we again plugging one of our previous episodes, which was the intellectual activism one, we call it the war on education, and basically that's all the legislation that has been passed regarding like limits on education. So like critical race theory, uh, which is actually not being taught in public schools, but that's what is being used as a guys to actually talk about race and mm-hmm. real history. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, so the, in Florida here, the Stop Woke Act is one of the laws that uh, takes on that um, and anti-trans legislation, anti-LGBTQ plus sex education. So that's what we've called the Don't Say Gay uh, Bill or law now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so those are all... Uh, all of the things that have contributed to this war, what we call the war on education. And for me, obviously, there's two things. So I am an academic, <laughs> as mm-hmm. we know, in case you didn't know. Uh, I'm an academic and I want to continue in academia. That's what I like. Uh, that's I know that I am the place where I need to be. Um, and it's just really frustrating that there's this attack on us on educators not just in like college level but all the way through like k through 12 and it's the people that are behind this attack are the same people that are you know what the issues that you've mentioned like roe v wade um gun control like all these things are connected and um specifically even though we've already established that the whole system uh is contributing to this there is a very clear group of people that are imposing these laws and fighting for this or yeah fighting against or in this battle against classrooms and teachers and books and knowledge um and so my research interests are predominantly in Christian nationalism, and that does come from my experience, as I mentioned before, in a conservative Christian community. And I all I witnessed a lot of the rhetoric or the ideas that are behind Christian nationalism. And to define that <laughs> for the for the listeners, um, so Christian nationalism, sim- put it putting it simply, is. Uh, the belief that the U.S. is a Christian nation and that it should enforce Christian, specifically conservative Christian values through the law. And so um, the people, you don't need to be a Christian to adhere to this or to support this. Um, Many Republicans, well, it's specifically Republicans who are, spoiler alert, um, (laughs) it's specifically Republicans who are, adhering or adopting this idea, but really many of them are not actually practicing Christians or religious even. It's really just a tool at this point. Um, it's just a way to get people that really believe in this, um, get them on their side. And it's not that difficult when it's conservatism, <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. just preserving the status quo and preserving what, going back, go, basically going back to a previous great nation that doesn't has never existed but it's a myth that is real to them Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: yeah so in my research with christian on christian nationalism um this war on education becomes really relevant because it's about control it's about power it's about them uh taking over the only spaces in which you can question anything (laughs) so Mm -hmm. like obviously academia schools um which i find ironic and i'm not going to go down this rabbit hole now but i will just say i just find it ironic because they are the same people that created private schools um when schools were being integrated so they didn't want to be Mm -hmm. integrated so they made you know, themselves private schools under, right. you know, religious institution. You can't you can't control them with the state because it's religion, it's, it's church, separation it's of mm-hmm. church and state. And now, here we are. They are trying to control what's being taught in schools mm-hmm. and universities um, based on a very clear set of values, which are theirs only. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what we call authoritarianism. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. Uh, and, yeah, so... Um, It really that just comes out of what you mentioned before, like Mm -hmm. the people that have previously been privileged or continue to be privileged, but um, Mm -hmm. people that have previously not realized how the system didn't work. Now Mm -hmm. they're realizing that it doesn't work for them either in certain Mm -hmm. ways. Right, Um, Right. But anyways, there's this reaction that comes out of that uncertainty and that fear. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously social change, actually that's like the major driving force. It's not even that they feel like the state is hurting them, but it's that the state is forsaking them for other groups that right. they've always forsaken.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting because I like the silver lining to it in my eye, if there were to be one, is the fact that like the people who created these bills are scared like they're scared that we are making progress and they don't want that to happen so mm-hmm. I think it only goes to show that the work that activists have been doing for many years is working because they're frightened and they don't want it to see it progress any further and so while it's extremely frustrating and it it's scary because we both want to be in academia it's just like it's because activists for a long time have done such a good job making sure that there is yep. social progress. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. now that they see it, it's kind of like the pendulum swinging, which always happens is mm-hmm. once the pendulum is moving this way, some force has to happen to move it back the other way. And so yes. that's what we're seeing again. And it goes back and forth over the course of history. And so mm-hmm. it's just, they're scared of equality and they're scared of people, they're scared of losing their power. And so they feel like they must force it onto us and so that's Mm -hmm. an interesting way to look at it
1: yeah and well power and progress both things Mm -hmm. so we have misconceptions about both like we think oh they want to take power Mm -hmm. no they've been in power they want to keep their power as soon as they're challenged in any way so Mm -hmm. they're actually you know we might question like so how did they get up there they just they that's weird <laughs> um <laughs> why don't we get up? like how how do shouldn't it be easy for us to get in power too? and it's like no it's easy for them because literally they built the system so they've always had it yeah they've always had power so obviously they it it takes little effort on their mm-hmm. part to mm-hmm. take that power and use it and and basically double down we're it's, we're talking about doubling down. And also mm-hmm. with progress, we think that progress is linear. That, mm. oh, just with the passage of time, mm-hmm. things will get better and we'll be right. a better society, whatever that means. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that's also not how it works. Like you said, right. it's, it's almost, yeah, it's a pendulum. That's the best. Yeah, that's the best. Um, <laughs> I couldn't come up with a better uh, <laughs> analogy. So yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also when it comes down to us creating change. I think we really need to understand that because sometimes we think, oh, if we just vote the right way, Mm -hmm. if we just put the right person in power, if Mm -hmm. we just do this one thing, if we just get this law passed, everything is reversible. Like everything is reversible. And so we need to constantly be engaged Mm And not just voting for this one issue or voting Mm -hmm. for this one law or putting this one person in power. It's Mm -hmm. about creating communities of resistance to continue to push back when the pendulum -hmm. pendulum swings Mm -hmm. back. Um, And that's always existed. So we, Mm -hmm. you know, that can can sound pessimistic, but... Mm -hmm. But I think, and Dr. Cox, I believe, mentioned it in the previous episode that we did with him about critical race theory. Um, Like, just like systems of oppression have always existed throughout history, systems of resistance have always, and, you know, systems, people, people have Mm -hmm. always been able to resist. And, yeah, so we can find hope, some comfort in that, um, but we need to stay engaged, is my point. Yeah, yeah
0: what you made me think of is the idea how like they've always have power and we feel like at points we have the power but truly what it is is the people in power like giving us a false sense of security and then once we've taken that feeling too far they will show their power once again Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's like the idea of you know we talk about this in critical race theory that like Overt racism is now bad, but now there's colorblind racism. And there's all new types types of racism that will come about. Like mm-hmm. that is them us getting a false sense of security and then us being taken back down again with different yes. forms of power and them showing their power in different ways. So it's always like, Yeah, we got a little bit, but as soon as we take it too far, we're gonna be reminded that this wasn't really for us in the first place. It was mm-hmm. just to kind of like keep us quiet for a while. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um And so I guess this could be a good time to segue (laughs) into the rest of our conversation. So Mm -hmm. yeah, speaking back to the fact that we don't want to be too pessimistic in the sense of like, oh, well, there's nothing to be done. Goodbye. End of the podcast. (laughs) We're going home. Um, So yeah, so basically what we are here to do in this chapter is to... Not only explain how we as sociologists think about these issues, but also how we can use sociological theories and knowledge to address these issues. Um, So that's what we're here to do. And there are two main topics or two main concepts that you'll be seeing pop up throughout the series, and we'll be talking about them right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so the first one I want to talk about is the sociological imagination by the theorist Mills. And basically, the sociological imagination is the understanding that our personal outrage and the circumstances that we are dealing with are related to a bigger social structure. So basically, if you were dealing with personal problems, for example, like racism, then it's because of a larger structural problem of um, a societal structure. And this can be frustrating to think that like, oh, what I'm dealing with, I can't get over personally, but also it can be rewarding. The fact that if you know what you're dealing with is due to a larger structure and that other people are facing it, that means this is your time to create a coalition and to talk with other people that are dealing with it and Mm -hmm. organizing because you recognize that many people are going through the same thing because we all exist under the same structure.
1: Yes. And that's like the first thing that we learn in sociology. We've all, (laughs) we've heard it a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But actually this is very important right now because going back to, so certain laws that have been put in place to control what's being taught in classrooms, um, all of that is focusing a lot on individuals. So like how the individuals feel or blaming almost the individual for systemic issues and that's not what we do in sociology (laughs) just to clarify like we are not blaming someone for the entirety of a world history and Mm. a whole like white supremacist system like or patriarchal system etc like that's Mm. not what we're doing and that's why the sociological imagination is so important because we need to understand that it's not about what you do like you can be the best person You can be the least prejudiced, least bigoted, (laughs) most Mm -hmm. accepting and inclusive person. Mm -hmm. And your individual behavior won't, first, it won't change the social structure necessarily. Uh, Also, even though you're not to blame, like we're not blaming individuals for any Mm -hmm. systemic issue, um, we do need to understand that we, all of us, every single one of us as individuals, we are a product of a social structure. So that means me and Hallie, like you and me, we are different identities. You know, I'm a woman of color. Uh, mm-hmm. You're a Jewish white woman. Um, and we have different intersecting identities that make us, our perspective be different. But still, mm-hmm. we both are still within a system that is white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalist, etc., that has... Conditioned us to think in certain ways and act in certain ways. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm better than you or you are better than me for whatever mm-hmm. behavior you show. It's we are all, we're all being influenced by a social structure, and it's up to mm-hmm. us to understand that mm-hmm. and how that
0: relationship works to mm-hmm. address these issues. If that mm-hmm. And we talk about this also in critical race theory that there's a difference between like not being racist and being anti-racist so like one of them is that like you personally are not acting prejudiced towards people of color but being anti-racist means you're also against structures and you are working against the racist structures that exist in society and so you can be one thing and not the other you can be both of them but you have to make sure you understand that there's a difference between them
1: yes Mm -hmm. absolutely so moving on to the second topic And that is intersectionality um, and the matrix of domination. So both of those go together. And um, we have heard all about that before, intersectionality specifically. But the way that we are understanding it, uh, intersectionality is a tool. Um, It's a perspective to see society and social issues as a result of an overlap of um, oppressive systems like the ones that we mentioned. So sexism, racism, heterosexism, all of that. Um, And in the mainstream, we hear about intersecting identities and how our intersecting identities makes makes us different. And that's what intersectionality is. But really, it's deeper than that. It's beyond just those intersecting identities. It's about understanding the overlapping systems of oppression. Um, And that's what we will focus on mostly, Um, the overlapping systems of oppression, which Patricia Hill Collins calls matrix of domination
0: yeah (laughs) yeah and these theories are helpful to us as sociologists and hopefully to you because it feels like it kind of gives us power back to address the issues that are going on and so you know because of these two theories we see what's going on in society and the things that are frustrating us and we put it through these lenses and what comes out the other side is maybe frustration but also like a want to push forward and we see how we can push forward as well so that's why it's really helpful for us
1: yes and so that's why we're here (laughs) (laughs) that's basically what this chapter two is about so i know we've kind of gone through a lot in the last i don't know 30 minutes um (laughs) but so yeah so for the last few minutes we want to talk about just a bit more about the podcast and what we hope this will do um, regarding these issues that we just talked about. So um, mainly, we just want to make, one of the things that we want to do is to, again, this podcast is supposed to be give sociological knowledge to people and make it accessible and not like what we read in class, Mm -hmm. which is not accessible at all. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's the first thing that we want to do with this chapter.
0: Mm hmm. We also wanted to bring more of just like the emotions into it. Like just Mm -hmm. let you guys see like the real parts of what's going on behind the scenes, because as much as we like, don't want emotion, we want like objectivity and whether that actually works or whatever is another discussion, but like also there's like people behind these issues. And we want to make sure that when we're discussing this, we recognize there's structure, but also individual lives. And that means that there's also emotions behind it. And we want to connect with you guys on that level and be more real so that it can be more relatable, understandable. There's more of a connection going on rather than just stating a bunch of theories and then being like, shoo shoo, now you know. <laughs> like, We want to make sure you understand mm-hmm. that the all-encompassing emotions of being aware of social issues and trying to do something about it.
1: Yeah, and that is what why we're here venting <laughs> today. Like we we just want it feels it does feel like it's the weight is on us, the people that are engaged in these conversations. That we are innately interested in these things. You know, not everyone can be interested in the same thing, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but we we are. And sometimes it feels like oh, because we are the political ones. We are the ones that uh, are in involved in this all the pressure is on us and everyone Mm -hmm. expects us to have answers and that's not how it's supposed to be you know Mm -hmm. like we we can be the ones to become experts in the issues that people don't want to like get too deep into like we can do that but also Mm -hmm. we do need to be collect collective in the way that we're addressing these issues like we need to go beyond just mm-hmm. academics giving us the answers or politicians giving us the answers like that's mm-hmm. and again that's why we're here like we're here to express these emotions that we feel as academics we're not just brains
0: <laughs> um
1: yeah we we feel the pressure and we mm-hmm. hope that if we provide these tools for an audience that's not part of the university Um, we can hopefully help create that community that we need
0: as Mm -hmm. academics beyond academia. Also, if you are listening to this and you also feel this burden of trying Mm -hmm. to solve these issues also and you're becoming overwhelmed with these issues, just know like you're not alone in this and Mm -hmm. that there are many other people who want to work alongside you and that you are not Going to be the one solution, and you're not expected yes. to be the one solution, and you don't have to do this by yourself. There the hero. Right, right. You There's no heroes hero. here. <laughs> <laughs> right. We are going to hopefully work together as a community to make things better. So don't feel like the weight lies on your shoulders, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I think with that, we mm-hmm. conclude this first mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, back with freedom for the people and so we just want to quickly uh introduce the next episode and mm-hmm. future topics that we'll be talking about uh throughout the series so uh for the next episode we we'll specifically be focusing in on the structure that we keep talking about the system all of that um and that will include like conversation about nra um coke the coke brothers if you've heard of that um and if not then you'll hear about them <laughs> Uh, the Christian right Uh, and just the powerful in general Uh, so that's we'll just be getting more into
0: the structure that underlies these issues that we discussed today Mm -hmm. and I'm personally very excited for that episode so make sure you tune into that because I think it will be very enlightening and Mm -hmm. we're going to be pulling back the layers to find out where this power lies and who holds it which I think will be very fun um, mm-hmm. And then in future episodes, we're going to be talking about the outrage that is created. So that's through the media, this idea of us versus them, the polarization and conflict that goes online and through just like how politics have worked has worked recently. And then we're also going to be looking at the idea of transforming our outrage into love and activism. So make sure you tune into those because it'll be very fun and exciting.
1: Yes. So I guess we will see you in a couple of weeks
0: with episode two. <laughs> Bye. We'd also like to thank the University of Central Florida Department of Sociology for their generous support of this podcast.